Okay, we're good. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> so uh, D- G- Jesus has been uh, dealing with these uh, Pharisees and these uh, lawyers, been com- having a conversation with them, and, and he continues that through the end of the chapter here in verse 31. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And the, they'd been asking, well, why are you eating with publicans and, and sinners? And why are you hanging around with unrighteous people? And he said, because uh, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said unto him there in verse 33, well, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old, if otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. And the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth a new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the new bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But the new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, the old is better. So that's kind of a, seems like on the surface, kind of a strange set of circumstances and things to talk about with these Pharisees. But as we get into it, I think you'll see how it makes perfect sense. And and we've been talking about grace all the way forever. Uh, But uh, the things that he's done, he healed the the paralytic man, he cleansed the leper, uh, all those things that he did that were pure acts of grace to people that, that had no merit that had they didn't deserve anything but it was by grace and we find that nothing is by accident the the paralytic man uh, <clears throat> this is so that you may know that the the son of man hath power to forgive sins it wasn't by uh, because he was an extra sinner that he was a paralytic or something like that and uh, <clears throat> so nothing by accident Everything with the Lord is is by exact design, and <clears throat> grace in the in the purpose purposeful steps of Christ in in going to this tax collection booth uh, and effectually calling Levi or Matthew follow me and and we looked at the true meaning of this word follow. It means to be in union with on the road. That, and as Brother Parker mentioned last week, that, that narrow road, that way of Christ is a narrow road. And it, it, it allows no other uh, things to, to uh, intervene with it. It's, it cannot be altered and it cannot be widened. <clears throat> and uh, wide is the path that leads to destruction. <clears throat> and so can... Can true union with Christ, the question that we asked last week was, can true union with Christ and free grace exist if one insists on trying to incorporate works into it? And and that's what these Pharisees were really doing. Well, you know, we, we have all these things that we do. We, we, we observe all these 
sacrifices. We obey the law. We do this. We do that. And and your people don't seem to be following along with that. And so with that, uh, with these things in mind, we come to verse 33 where these scribes and Pharisees, they, they continue to try and equate their adherence to work and the law to grace, which they couldn't really fathom. And they, why do you eat with publicans and sinners? They, you know, they should have been proclaiming the gospel to sinners all along, and yet they were saying, here's what you need to do to be righteous. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to follow this law. You need to do this sacrifice. All these do-do things that were, in fact, pictures, types, and shadows of of the very Christ. And... <clears throat> So why don't the disciples fast and pray like we do? Why don't they pray and fast on a regular schedule like we do? Why don't they adhere to the works and the law? And uh, why don't they do the religious stuff that we do so people can see us and, and observe that we're religious? And how will people know that they're religious if they don't do the things that we religious people deem proper and necessary to do. And so once more, the Lord, he, he, he answers their question, but he always gives the deep answer. And remember when the, the profound answer, the, the answer that's more than what we could imagine, more than what we could fathom. And, he he gives an answer which was really beyond comprehension to one that's not been born again. And to the unregenerate, uh, I like that sign our pastor has on his wall. Well, I think it says to to the unregenerate, no explanation is possible. To the born again, it's not necessary. They they believe it. And so there's a state of unequaled peace and joy and trust in the Lord when the Spirit of God breathes into us the breath of life and who causes us to believe uh, and who makes us to understand that terrible pit from which we've been yanked out of, the brand that's been pulled from the burning the, and so forth. There's a there's a, a peace there with God that we didn't have before and, and that peace is in Christ and uh, <clears throat> Psalm 65 verse 4 we'll take a verse from Psalms this morning in Psalm 65 verse 4 says blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house even thy holy temple and boy, there's just volumes in that one verse. We're just satisfied with everything Christ has done. We don't need anything else. Uh, uh, we can't imagine anything else. And, and so now we come to this section here where they say, well, why don't your disciples fast? Why don't they pray? And, and, and he says, well, can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? Prayer and fasting is a is a circumstance in which a believer is is so overcome, so burdened that the heart and the mind are in unison and are totally engaged in a spiritual matter and issue 
And the natural issue and outcome of it, the natural response is, is prayer and fasting. Not something that you produce on a regular schedule. I fast twice a week. It's what that that pub that Pharisee says in Luke chapter eighteen verse ten. I'm glad I'm not like them other guys. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of everything. And I I I I I here's all the things I do that that equate to my being religious. And I think that there's just a true contrast there with this publican. And we've been talking about this publican named Levi. This this Pharisee says, "Here's my schedule. Twice a week I fast." And the publican just smote on his breast and said, he couldn't even look up. His heart and his mind, his soul was engaged. And he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There was an issue where I think there's a good example there. He was fasting. He was spiritually fasting. Not, well, I'm not going to eat on Tuesdays and Thursdays so that I can uh, chalk my box that says I fasted. I don't really have anything particular in mind that I'm fasting about, but it says that I should fast, so I'm going to do it this day and this day. And, and, and this guy said, my soul is, is a burden, and I've been made to recognize that only salvation is of the Lord, and God be merciful to me. <clears throat> and so he says, how can the children of the bridegroom bride chamber fast when the bridegroom is with them? Uh, he says the days will come when he'll be taken away from them. And, and for a time he'll be taken away. And then they shall fast in those days. And we, and we can look ahead into the Gospels and see that they were pretty broken up about this when he was taken away from their you know, even after they kind of threw him under the bus and said, we don't even know him. And then they said, oh, our hearts are just broken. Uh, he's we love him so much that we can't think about anything else. We can't, we're not hungry. We're, our hearts are tuned into what what we think we've lost. And then... It turns out they shall be made to know that by free grace they have been and are and will be loved with an everlasting love and nothing can separate them from that love of Christ. Not him being temporarily taken away in a physical sense. He was with them. He's wherever two or three are gathered together. That There am I in the midst of them. And not that he pops in and out, just that he's there. Uh, in a, you know, that we don't see physically, but he's there with us, and 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 then so we have this picture that for a time they'll fast, but then when the Spirit of Truth tells them all the things in the Gospels concerning Himself, then then they'll they'll be at peace and and they'll be about the business of which I've assigned them to do, and uh, which was launch out into the deep and bring in a knot. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, there we, and we just see pictures of that all the way through. In the next chapter, they're going to be going through a field of grain. And they're here and there, they're going to grab a handful. The harvest is truly plenteous, but there's not many laborers and so on. And <clears throat> so 
he says they'll fast for a time, but then they'll they'll come to uh, see everything in its true course and that everything is by design. And so now he he's still speaking to these Pharisees. And and he says unto them a parable. Well, we know about parables and uh, and he's speaking to these Pharisees who are always seeking by works of the law to attain some form of righteousness and and <clears throat> a parable which outside the grace of God they're they're just uh, not going to be able to know or understand and in Matthew chapter thirteen ten. The, the, it was even kind of a puzzle to these disciples. They said, Master, why are you always talking to them in parables? And he said, Therefore I, I speak to them in parables because they seeing not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. As we get into Luke chapter 8, he says, Unto you it's given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Of God, but uh, to others, it's in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. <clears throat> so he's given them a parable here, and it's it's perfectly clear to God's people, and and it's really pretty simple. But it's this parable of the garments and the patching and the wine, and and we'll read through that again here, and then we'll we'll just have a kind of a brief explanation here. Uh, <clears throat> No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the the new agreeeth not with the old. There's a key word there. It agreeeth not. And no man putteth new wine in old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put in new bottles, and both are preserved. No man... Also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. What a parable. What a, what a thing to say. The, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they're, they're foolishness to him. And he, neither can he understand them or even know them, uh, because they're spiritual in nature. And... and <clears throat> And if we think about this, I think the roots of this, this uh, starting in verse 36 about putting an old, a new piece of a new garment on an old, uh, patching, a, patching a hole, as it were. Uh, uh, remember in, in Luke chapter uh, 24, he, he said, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And and we, I just think that means so much more than we comprehend. I mean, all the scriptures, not just, you know, there, there's so much detail in some of these old scriptures. And, and we're going to look at one here in, in Leviticus uh, and Deuteronomy. Uh, and I think that's the root of where this this parable comes from. And, <clears throat> but... All the scriptures in some way are connected to Christ and they all say something about grace. And so it's really when we boil this down, this parable about this garments and the wine, it just boils down. It's just a parable of the same old problem of trying to incorporate works into grace. 
grace that is from and is based on the everlasting electing love of God the Father. Grace before time. Important to remember that. Works in the law were never able and never were meant as a source of righteousness before God. They were a they were a schoolmaster, the scripture says, to bring us to Christ. And then we find from those same scriptures that Christ is the end of the law to righteousness to everyone that believeth. That's from Romans chapter 10, verse 4. So in the flesh, in the old nature, we think and believe we can supply a measure of righteousness enough, in fact, to to make the finished work of Christ really unnecessary. We can do enough good. We can keep most of the law. We really didn't sin that much. And surely God will have respect to our best efforts. Where can we find an example of that? Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. He worked hard for that offering. He he had to plow the soil. He had to plant the seed. He had to weed it and do all the things to bring that crop. He had to pick it and harvest it and do all those things. And Abel, he brought also of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, a picture of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> and But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. It was It was completely of works. It was completely based on what he did. And God had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. A picture of, it reminds me of those those disciples that are out there. We toiled all the night long and taken nothing. And Christ says, by grace, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, for a big haul. So Cain, he toiled all the season long and and he was looking to that for for his righteousness. And God says, hey, you know the same story that your, your brother knew. And if you go there, it'll be okay. But if you don't, sin lieth at the door. So the garments, the garments and works of the law is just rotten. It, it couldn't be kept. And you keep coming up with, well, Christ is not enough. Saved by grace, but you must be circumcised. Saved by grace, but you must be baptized. Saved by grace. And on and on and on it goes. Trying to patch a piece of works into grace only makes it worse. And this this picture is just really a picture of the gospel of grace. Remember the, the law of the leper. By grace, he, he cleansed that leper. And then he says, now you go back to the priests and you tell them to go look up the law of the leper in, in Leviticus. And they said, oh my God, here's a picture of Christ. Well, that's not what they said. We probably have to look that up to see what, they, what they're what they supposed to do because it never happened. And so... Anyway, trying to trying to patch a piece of works into grace just ruins it. It just makes it worse. Christ is not enough. There's and it says in verse 36, there's no agreement 
between the two. That's a critical thing to remember. There is no agreement between works and grace. There just isn't any. They are not, that word agreement means harmonious. They are not in harmony. You know, Dan always plays us a wonderful hymn. Well, if he if he was to turn that over to me, I'd just be banging around on a bunch of stuff that was out of key and out of not the right notes, and it would just sound awful. And that is what the noise is when you try to incorporate grace into work, works into grace. Uh, and and as I said earlier, I think this has its roots. This parable has its roots in Leviticus chapter nineteen, verse nineteen. You shall keep my statutes, thou. And this is, and I want you to look at this from a spiritual context. As uh, man, I wish Norm had all those Leviticus on sermon audio. I would have went back and looked this up. I'm sure he covered this, but think back in Leviticus 19:9. You'll keep my statutes. It, the spiritual nature of it. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. Mixing two kinds of things together. Remember how the, remember how the, the lesson he gave on salt. Individually, they were two things that were uh, not good for you, but combined, they they were okay. But in this case, it's kind of the opposite there. In, Levit- in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 11, Thou shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. The only garment that's going to suffice is the garment of righteousness that's supplied by Christ, and there is no works in it. It is, it is holy of grace. And it's and this is just a picture of trying to combine grace and works. You you can't put a piece of this new stuff on the old stuff. And it's not really new. You know, grace, the grace of the Lord is the oldest thing there is. It's He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And <clears throat> adding to grace, to grace, free will, adding to grace, baptism or sacraments or church membership or church covenants, good works, false evangelism, and on and on and on. And substituting the word I in the place of Jesus paid it all uh, is just trying to incorporate works into grace and just saying that, you know, Christ didn't pay it all. It's I need to do something else. I, in fact, I have the ability to do something else, and I only need. We say this all the time. Well, on my scale here, I have my works, and I just need just enough Jesus to to balance it out. I don't really need the whole thing, but uh, in actually actuality, the works just put you deeper and deeper and deeper into the whole. And I appreciate what Brother Bill Parker said Sunday. Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? We've done all these things. We fasted twice in a week. We cast out demons. We we give to the poor. We do this. We do that. And you know, Jesus says, enter into your closet to do all that stuff. Do all that stuff from your heart. All this fasting, it's not a regular 
practice. It's not a uh, something you do to incorporate works into grace. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 6, he, he says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? It's just that simple. The natural man says, Well, I know what the Scripture says, but I have my own idea of about salvation, and it, it must include me exercising my sovereign will over God's sovereign will. Well, there can't be two. The, the very de definition of sovereignty uh, de uh, does away with that. You can't have two sovereign things. One, one is sovereign, or it's not. <clears throat> you, you cannot overpower the one with the other. <clears throat> My good works outweigh my bad deeds. If in fact there were any bad deeds, I, you know, we're always we're man is always constantly redefining sin. <laughs> in just in my short lifetime, it changed a lot. Things that uh, we would not have even considered or tolerated twenty years ago now are commonplace and and not looked at as out of the ordinary. Uh, my, I didn't really do any bad deeds. I didn't. Maybe I never even stole a pack of gum in my whole life. But you know what? That's not the issue. The issue is, what do you think of Christ? <clears throat> and so, we come down to the end here where he says, No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. The old grace was good. It was good enough for Abel. It was good enough for Abraham. It was good enough for all those patriarchs that are listed in, in as examples in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Total reliance on Christ for salvation. By grace are you saved through faith. And that, not even that is from of yourself. It's a gift of God. <clears throat> You know what it says? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The old wine is better. The old wine was good enough then. The old wine is good enough. Uh, I, I enjoyed what uh, Robert Hawker wrote in his commentary here. In one of the ones I was looking where he usually just says, uh, this is so Understandable, it needs no explanation by me. <laughs> so perfectly obvious. No man having drunk into the spirit of the faith of the old disciples, the patriarchs, and the prophets concerning Christ will desire to taste of any other. That which was from the beginning and in which the fathers among the faithful all lived and died is the old wine of God's covenant love and he which hath drank into this will drink of no other. Christ's love is better than wine. Uh, quote from a Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. No man, having tasted of grace, can go back to the, well, I, I have a free will. They know that their will, just like the rest of them, was corrupt right down to the core. Their will was not capable that's why the scriptures say, "You're dead in trespasses and sins. You got you have no ability, no nothing. Your will is just as dead as the rest of you. No man tasting of grace ever desires to go back. You you can't go back. You can't unknow 
true grace. And we say that from time to time here because it's just so true. And, you know, people cling to that, but when they come, they cling to these old, uh, well, I hope my good works outweigh my bad. Uh, you, I have a will. It's possible for me to reject Christ, isn't it? Well, in a sense, I suppose that you could say the words, but if when God exercises His power and makes you willing, <laughs> you're just not going to do that, and you're not going to want to, and you're not going to want to ever say, well, I wish I could go back and undo that. That's It's just not going to happen. So you can't unknow true grace, and you can't mix works with true grace. And uh, you could go into Romans chapter 11 for a little more explanation on that if you want to. He says, if you do that, it's not grace anymore. You've mingled it. You know, how much corruption do you have to mix into a glass of water before you don't want to drink it anymore? <laughs> before it's not good for you. <laughs> if it's of grace, then it's of no more of works. And that's what this little block of scripture on this parable is really about. And uh, I hope you've uh, got something out of that. We're going to stop there for today. And next time we're going to leap into chapter 6. And it'll probably be a couple of weeks since our pastor is going to be gone next week. And we'll pick up in chapter 6. And old Jesus is out there on the Sabbath day doing things against the religion again. And and an interesting thing that he, he that Luke points out that the other scriptures don't point out, which brings us back to them expounding in all the scriptures and the law and Moses, the things concerning himself. He says, it was on the second Sabbath after the first. And that takes us back to the Feast of Weeks. And uh, so we'll look at that a little bit when we come up to this in chapter 6. Uh, so in the meantime, my brothers and sisters, be free. <laughs>